Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Great to see everybody this morning. Appreciate you being here. I'm going to ask if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 9. That's where we're going to be this morning. Of course, we'll also have the words on the screen as usual. Last week, we looked at Acts chapter 8 with this wonderful story of, of Philip leading this lost man to Christ and baptizing him on the spot. I think it's just a, a beautiful story. And During this time, remember, the church was under intense persecution. That's what drove Philip, that, and the leadership of the Holy Spirit out of Jerusalem and and onto this particular road to talk to this man. But the persecution was led by this man by the name of Saul. Saul was present when Stephen was stoned to death. He was uh, in approval of this murder. He would enter the homes of Christians. He would drag them out, haul them off to prison. Um, Today, we would probably call a Saul a terrorist. In our modern lingo, he was a downright terrorist, a very bad man. We would say that Saul was evil. He's unreachable, unlovable, unsavable. But then God does something in Acts chapter 9 that changes the course of history. And it tells us that even the most unlikely, unreachable person, when they encounter the Lord Jesus Christ, their life can be changed on the spot. That's exactly what happened when Saul of Tarsus, the terrorist to Christ's church, encountered Jesus on the Damascus Road. We're going to be in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9 this morning. Let's read this passage of Scripture together. The Bible says, Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belong to the way. Now, isn't it cool that they're called the way? Jesus said, I'm the truth, the way, and the life. Anyway, they belong to the way. He might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said, I am Jesus, the one that you were persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound, but seeing no one. So Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. All throughout history, God has used some of the most unlikely people to do some of the most extraordinary things. I think of the most obvious in, in recent history is when God called an ordinary boy named Billy Frank Graham from a dairy farm in North Carolina. Somebody that was uh, turned away from his youth group for being too worldly. Can you even imagine? To become one of the greatest evangelists that we've ever seen in history. Likewise, when it came time to call an apostle, a messenger... To the Gentiles, he called out this staunch Jew, this one that had persecuted the church of Christ, the one that 
that hated the very gospel would be the one that would take it to the world that desperately needed it so bad. When we look at Saul's, or as he would later become Paul, when we look at his conversion here in Acts chapter 9, there's three truths that come to mind. They're very simple, very straightforward, but they're very profound when we take it to heart. And the first one is so obvious to me, but maybe not to everyone, and that is that anyone can be saved. Do you really believe that? That anyone can be saved? I think about my former friend. He's gone on to be with the Lord. His name was Jimmy Darrell. And uh, Jimmy Darrell was one of these people that you would look at and just think, there's no way this man would ever get saved. Jimmy Darrell had a tough life. He was a good man, but he was a hard man. Jimmy Darrell had spent basically all of his life working in the funeral home business And he'd seen tragedy after tragedy. He had seen just terrible things happen to people that did not deserve it. And it hardened him. And he'd come to church every week, week in and week out. He'd stand in the back during the invitation. And he'd look up at me, standing up front, just these sad, sad eyes. Just his heart broken, but unable to do anything. And we prayed, and people tried to visit Jimmy Darrell. I'd go visit Jimmy Darrell. Sometimes Tom would go with me. And and listen, this guy, he would... He'd love to sit and talk with you, but if he knew you were coming to talk about Jesus, he would literally get up and go hide in his bedroom. Tough case. And I heard of several people say, I don't think Jimmy Darrell will ever get saved. But here's the thing. Jimmy Darrell did get saved. And I had the privilege of baptizing him in the Kentucky River before he got sick and went on to be with the Lord. I think about Saul. and You think about who Saul is. Saul was born... And raised in a Jewish family. He was raised in a Jewish culture. He studied under the great Rabbi Gamaliel. He rose to the ranks of Pharisees. He was zealous for the cause of Judaism. And Jesus represented to Saul all that was wrong in Saul's world. Everything about Jesus went against Saul's beliefs, went against his practices, went against his religion, went against his traditions. So the thing is, if Jesus was in fact the Messiah, here's the thing for Saul. Either Saul had missed the Messiah and was glad he was dead and Judaism was fulfilled, or it was somewhat now an obsolete religion that he was part of. Either way, Saul couldn't have this. And so he made it his life's ambition at this point to squash this heresy and this cult called Christianity. In his mind, Jesus was dead. And all of these people that continued to follow him and spread his lies were deserving of that same fate. That's Saul. Imagine someone so full of hate, so full of a religion that they would hunt Christians down and drag them out of their homes and take them to prison, or worse. This was Saul. Osama bin Laden, also known as Saul. And if a Saul can be saved, I think anybody can be saved. Saul wasn't looking for Jesus. This is what's interesting about this story. Saul wasn't looking for Jesus. He wasn't searching for something greater. He was on a mission to fight against Jesus. He he set out against the Lord, against His church, against the gospel. He was an enemy to Christ and an enemy to God. But even, hear me clearly, even God's enemies can be saved. This same Saul who would become Paul wrote this in Romans 5. He said, For if... While we were enemies, see, he understood where he came from. We were reconciled to God. How? Through the death of his son. 
then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? We better be thankful, folks, that God's enemies can be saved. Because here's the truth. At one point, every single one of us that are saved were enemies of God. But God loves people. And if God can save a blatant enemy like Saul, God can save you as well. And I think about being an enemy to your Creator. What a frightening position to be in. To think that you are in enmity with the Creator and your Maker, the Creator of the universe. You say, well, preacher... That sounds scary. I don't want to be God's enemy. I don't want to be on the wrong side of God. I want to be saved. Here's the thing, preacher. You don't know my past. I know this, though. There's not a past that God can't redeem. You say, preacher, you don't know my problems, man. I got some issues. You blush if we sit down and have a conversation. Don't matter. There's not an issue that God can't deal with. You say, well, you just don't know me. If I get saved, I'll mess it up. I won't be able to live it. And if I can't live it, I'm just not going to do it. Maybe God really can't save somebody like me. Listen very clearly. God can save anybody. Take Pam, for example. Pam lost her husband in a mining accident, in a tragedy. And in her grief, Pam turned to drugs, got hooked on drugs, lived a, a, a rough life, and went down a very dark and lonely road. But on that road, she met Jesus. Today, Pam is clean and sober, and she's ministering to other people in recovery. Take Kathy that lived a lifetime of drugs and parties and petty crime, and Kathy wanted to do better. She tried religion. She tried everything else the world had to offer, but it all got her the same results until she tried Jesus, and Jesus cleaned her life up. Now today, Kathy has a newfound relationship with her family, with her grandchildren. Take Tosh, for example. Tosh was living in an open homosexual relationship. And she would come to church, sometimes with her partner. And guess what? The church didn't throw them out. But they loved them. And week after week, she would sit. She'd hear the gospel. And she'd sit there, and, and tears would run down her face, absolutely broken. And one day, God got a hold of her. And today, she's married, has a beautiful married to a wonderful man, by the way. And has a, a beautiful family. I got to baptize some of their children. God can save anybody. How's it happen? We'll look at verses 3 through 5. Again, very straightforward, but it, it happens through Jesus. Jesus is the only, only salvation. No other way. Today, Muslims, many Muslims around the world, they're having these dreams, they're having these visions of this man named Jesus, and he's telling them things straight out of Scripture, and they can't understand it. And a lot of them will go to a Christian at a refugee camp or something like that, and they'll say, I had this dream of this man, and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What does this mean? And they can tell them about Jesus, and they realize, this is the person that came to me in my dream. How do I follow him? And Missions Frontier magazine found, they did some interviews, and they found that out of 600 converts from Islam to Christianity, upwards of 25% of those former Muslims, talked about having a dream or a vision of Jesus prior to getting saved. It's interesting that when it came time to save Saul, that God didn't send him a Philip. God didn't send the apostle Peter. He didn't use a Christian apologist. He didn't use a Christian rock band. I'm going to hurt some feelings. He didn't even use the church. It was a revelation of Jesus Christ himself to a man on a a desert road that brought Saul to the saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. I wonder, why'd God appear to Saul this way? And I think there's a lot of theories. Maybe somebody else 
Maybe nobody else could have went and talked to him effectively. I'm sure I couldn't. But the short answer is, it's how God wanted to do it. And I think it's God's prerogative. But what's important for us is to understand that such a radical change, really, salvation at all, only comes through one means, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. All other options are off the table. You need to understand this very clearly. No other religion can save you. No other person can save you. No amount of good works can save you. Salvation and the way to heaven is only found through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when it comes to turning your life around, think about what Saul left behind. <laughs> he had to deal with his hatred. He had to deal with anger. I think later in life he had to deal with the guilt of persecuting Christ's church and murdering Christians. He had to turn away from a religious system that he'd grown up in. Probably many fellow Jews, many fellow countrymen. And likewise, we have a lot of things that we have to lay down and leave behind, don't we? That we can't deal with. Many of us too have to deal with anger and grief, even hatred. Many of us may have addictions and hang-ups and things that we can't handle on our own. And, and, and while medicine and counseling are wonderful tools, and, and if you come talk to me, a lot of times I'll say, you know what, you need, you need a professional counselor. You don't need me. You need some medicine. Those are good. But ultimately, you have to give it all over to Jesus. Allow Him and the power of His Holy Spirit to do a work in you that you can't do on your own and that nothing else can do for you. It all starts, though, with this reality of who Jesus is. Notice what Saul said. He, he said, Who are you, Lord? And very simply, Jesus said, I am Jesus. The one you're persecuting. And those words, that reality, that truth of who Jesus is, that He is real, that He is raised from the grave, changed Saul in an instant. Now, there's four steps to having a life change like this. It all begins with this one thing, that I accept God's Son as my Savior. You need to write these down. These will change your life. It all starts with accepting Christ for who He is. Making Him your Lord and your Savior. Then, I accept God's Word as my standard. That's not the Bible. This is the Bible. It's taking God's Word for what it is. Saying, this is the truth. This is the standard by which I'm going to live and make my decisions and, and, and follow God for the rest of my life. And then I accept God's power is my strength. How many can, can do all this stuff in life on your own? I didn't think so. You're not going to clean yourself up. You're not going to do everything in life that you need to do and be everything that you need to be apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. And the last one is I accept God's will is my strategy. Turn it all over to Him. And it starts with a relationship with Christ. As you move through this and you grow in your faith, you accept His will for you and His plan for your life. And let me tell you something. God's plan for your life <laughs> is a lot better than the one that you have. Don't learn that the hard way. You say, well, how do I do this? Well, look at this final truth. You've got to realize something. In the last few verses here, we learned that God has a plan for Saul. God has a plan to use the most unlikely people. The most unlikely situations. All of these different circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in. All the good, all the bad. Listen, God somehow works it all together 
And when you're going through the middle of it, you may not understand how God could ever use any of it. But he can. Watch this testimony. On New Year's Eve 2013, my husband and I found out that we were expecting our first baby. And we were so excited. We were doing all the planning and all the announcing. And we planned this big gender reveal party. And I remember being so nervous that we wouldn't find out the gender before the party. Like the ultrasound would be inconclusive and we wouldn't know if it was a boy or a girl. But what I didn't know is that during the ultrasound, we would find out that our firstborn son, Bennett, was very sick. He was diagnosed with a disorder, a genetic disorder, called trisomy 18, and we were told that he likely wouldn't live to be born. Um, and he was ultimately still born on August 7, 2014. And we went through a lot of emotions during that time. I had a lot of anger towards God, sadness, hopelessness, grief. Um, but God didn't care about any of that. He looked at me and he said, I love you so much that I sent my only son Jesus to die for you. And I'm going to help you get through this. And I'm going to use you to help other people get through this. And I've never been more thankful for the gospel truth. And I've never been more thankful that Jesus is my Savior than during a time like that. We think, what can God do with my hurt? What can God do with my mistakes? What can He do with the anger that I have toward Him? What can He do with the baggage that I carry around? How can God change me in a way that I'm angry with Him, that I love Him so much that I'm willing to do whatever He asks of me? The character Saul represents everything that we are. We were enemies of God. We were an unlikely person, an unreachable person. If we're honest, we would say that we were an unlovable person. It's a past that that God would have no interest in. A person that God would have no plan for. But you see, that's exactly how God works, isn't it? God calls out the sinners... He seeks out these broken people. He takes the Saul's and he saves them. He redeems them. He even gives them a new name. And not only a new name, but a new purpose. He turns Saul the persecutor into Paul the apostle. And I think one of the greatest tragedies that I see today is when the devil convinces someone that God has no plan for your life. You're you're a write-off. For God, There's nothing He can do with you. That's a tragedy. And it's one of the biggest lies that we fall for to think that God has no purpose for me. Listen, God does. God has a wonderful plan for your life. The thing is, you just got to let Him. Allow Him to use you, to use your story. The truth is, God can take any mess. I don't care. I don't care where you're at this morning. God can take any mess, whether you made it or life just dealt it to you, and He can turn it into a message and a story to help somebody else. So where are you this morning? First of all, are you saved? Do you know this Jesus that we were talking about, the one that Saul met on the Damascus Road? If not, that's where you got to start this morning, is giving your life to Him. Are you still trying to sort through your life? 
You're trying to figure it out, sort through your past, deal with your guilt, deal with your pain this morning. Here, man, you just got to simply give it over to the Lord first and foremost. And watch what He does. Understand, there's no hurt that Jesus can't heal. There's, there's no wrong, there's no sin that He can't forgive. There's no story that He cannot use. Stand with us as we pray this morning. Father, I, I thank you that you love the souls. <laughs> God, that you even have a plan and a purpose for people that despised you, that hated you and your son. God, that you could take someone that doesn't even believe in you and turn their life around in such a radical way that they are doing good and leading others to Christ. God, this morning, I've, I'm sure there's burdens in this room that we're trying to shoulder on our own. And God, if we're honest, we'll say that and we'll admit we can't do it. It's wearing us out. It's tiring. So this morning, Lord, I pray that people would just lay it down and let it go. Give it all over to Jesus. Father, I pray that we take our mistakes, we take the tragedies, we take the, uh, everything that we have been through in life and just turn it over to you and say, Lord, I can't make any sense of it, but I trust that you can. And then we sit back and watch as you do wonderful things in our life. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that does not know Jesus and they need to be saved, I pray today that that would happen. You'd give them the courage, you'd give them the faith, Lord to put their trust in Him. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. This morning, if there's a decision that you need to make, if you need to be saved, if you just need to come to this altar and, and, and lay down some of that stuff that you've been carrying on your own, why don't you come as we sing this morning? Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.